0: Hi, and welcome to the Wellness Strategy Podcast. I'm Amy, and I am the founder of the Wellness Strategy, and I'm here to talk to you about all things wellness, well-being, and self-care. This is not one of those wellness things though where you need to get out your yoga mat or make a cup of herbal tea. It is all about you, what works for you and finding your wellness strategy. In these episodes, we are going to unpack all different ideas around wellness, well-being and self-care. It is not a one-size-fits-all model, so get excited. Make sure you join us in every episode as we unpack, discover and talk to different people about what well-being, wellness and self-care really looks like so you can finally find your own wellness wellness strategy. This is our first episode, super exciting, something I have been meaning to do for a really long time and don't know why I didn't start. But we're starting today and I'm really, really excited to, I think, bring this to the well-being space. So let me start with a little bit of a background story for those of you who don't know me. I run the Wellness Strategy and over the past few years I've done a few different things in the well-being space especially around teacher well-being. So I'm a teacher. I absolutely love education. I love teaching. I love students. I love learning. I full nerd up talking about learning in classrooms and data and visible learning, all kinds of things to do with education. If I had another podcast, it would probably be around that, but um, we're doing this instead because over a number of years, I found myself being pulled in this direction. As much as I love teaching, I definitely could see over time how much it was impacting Uh, people being able to teach or be a person. I think the teaching space has become really overcrowded with all kinds of things that we expect teachers to do. And I was constantly getting asked for advice and tips and tricks on how to manage well-being from different educators and colleagues and found myself in a position where I felt like whilst the profession was getting busier and busier, I was able to manage that. Now, I am certainly not in any way 100% together all the time. I, like everyone else, have my up and down moments and my good and bad days, and sometimes things get the better of me. But I did and still am, I guess, and have for a really long time, proactively sought out and learned how to understand myself, how to manage myself, figure out what does and doesn't work for me. I am a really strong believer in the in, I guess, work-life balance and that it can happen. And I know there's talk now that work-life balance isn't a thing. We're just talking about life balance. And I absolutely agree with that. I think life balance is really important and it is possible. Um, But we've got to be able to, you know, we've really got to be able to in a way, understand who we are and understand what our work is. So if you're a teacher and you're listening to this, I'm just going to say you're a person first and a teacher second. It's so easy to get consumed in your job and lose your identity and the wellness strategy is about helping you reconnect back to who you are. So in my career as an educator, as a teacher and as a leader, I many a time had conversations with teachers who felt like they couldn't go on anymore, who felt like, the job was pretty much, you know, taking their life away. It was soul-destroying. I worked with teachers who had to make a decision about whether or not they wanted to continue in this career about teachers who weren't sure that whether or not they could manage a family whilst also teaching. Um, and I think, you know, in this profession and in many other professions too, we find ourselves with this internal battle of, you know am i my am i my am i my job am i my career or am i me and the lines very easily can get blurred now that's okay if you know how to pull back if you know how to switch off if you know how to separate those two but so often we struggle with the ability to set boundaries So, that we feel confident in ourselves and can say no, stop people pleasing, uh, step into who we wanna be, feel aligned with ourselves. And when this happens, we significantly start to impact our well being. So, I spent a few years uh, working for another company in the wellbeing space and also doing a few things of my own. I co-authored a book on uh, teacher wellbeing, a journal. If you want a copy of that, let me know. I have some to the side, which I'd love to gift uh, to teachers who are listening. And um, life as it does takes a few twists and turns. And here I am now within the wellness strategy leading that. Another book is uh, coming soon, which is all about teacher well-being and wellness, and hopefully we will release the end of this year, so the end of 2022. So let's take a minute, though, just to unpack what the wellness strategy is uh, and why we're talking about these things. So first of all, the terms well-being, wellness, and self-care are often used interchangeably and can sometimes... Make this concept a little bit murky. And I want to be really clear in saying that they're not the same thing at all. Like, they're not. Uh, your well being, according to a World Health Organization, is about your ability to, to be able to manage and deal with everyday stresses, to live um, optimally and flourish, to be able to contribute to society and beyond self. Well being is so much more than just going to a yoga class or. Um, drinking your herbal tea or cancelling a meeting during the week and giving your staff the afternoon off, which I think is what we've interpreted well-being to be, uh, which is really about self-care. So self-care is what we do externally from us. It's those quick fixes. It makes us feel good. It's usually very reactive, like I'm tired, my body's aching, I'm going to get a massage or I want to perk myself up so I'm going to get a mani-pedi or I've had a really tough week so I'm going to sleep in. All of those things are self-care. They're things that we do. Yes, some do impact our psychological well-being, but they are very much subjective well-being. So there's two sides to well-being, subjective and psychological. Subjective being our self-care and psychological being more about our state because well-being really is about who we are. It's about how we're being. It's about our state. And then the self-care side of that is what we do. Now, wellness is similar to well-being in the sense that it's about how you feel and the reason we have used the word wellness in the wellness strategy is because wellness implies that we are on the journey to being well. Now what I want you to understand also is that there is no end point for this and uh, actually I was just writing the first chapter of my book today and The reason we're seeing such a push around pos-psych and self-development and um, self-help books on bookshelves and positive quotes and things like that is because we have transitioned from seeing psychology as a deficit model into something that is now around helping people flourish, which is what Martin Seligman has coined it as, and he's often called the father of positive psychology because he, I guess he made it marketable. So quick history lesson. Prior to World War II, the American Psychology Association had three main priorities. The first one was around helping people with mental health issues. The second was around helping everyday people just be happier. And the third one was around working with those who were gifted and talented. Now, following World War II, because there were so many people coming out of that experience, um, the American Psychology Association decided to focus on, pretty much due to funding, psychology as helping people with mental health issues and suffering and so for us we learned that psychology um, seeking out psychologists working with psychologists seeking help is done so when you're at a deficit when in actual fact that was never the intention of a psychology at all. Now Martin Seligman when he was made president of the APA decided that his mission was going to be about tapping back into that missing domain of psychology which was around helping everyday people like you and me flourish and be happier because there is no end point there is no place that you get to where you tick the box and think my well-being is taken care of it is continuous and ongoing work and all of the importance he's placed around this has really helped to influence the positive psychology movement we're seeing now which is what is filling bookshelves which is what is most likely sitting on bedside tables or uh, what we're looking at when we flick through pinterest and try and find an inspirational quote or what pops up on our instagram it's all about inspiring other people to be even better not because there's something wrong with us but because we can and that Is really important when it comes to looking at our wellness and our well being and our self care. It shouldn't be that we're doing something because we're not good enough or because we feel like we're falling apart. It really is about doing something because we know we can be better, because we deserve it, because we're worth it, because our happiness is a right, because it's something that we know just by being here we can achieve. The catch though is that it takes a little bit of work and Our ability to do that has become blurred with this idea that well-being really is self-care. And so if you put in things like well-being checklists um, into any search engine online or, you know, even into something like Instagram, you'll find a plethora of things that you should go and do. Now, I'm all for doing stuff, absolutely, but I think when we see it as something that is ad hoc, that is random, that is reactive, we're missing the point around well-being having to be about sustainable daily actions, which is going to be a whole other podcast. but um, our well-being is not something that we can just do randomly. That's the subjective self-care side. Our well-being is about those long-term sustainable daily habits that we do all of the time. and it's also about, Building positive emotion, it's about our engagement in the community, it's about the connection that we have with others, it's about how we're continually growing, it's about knowing how to manage our emotions, it's about understanding ourselves, it's about our emotional intelligence or emotional agility. It's it's just so much more than going to a yoga class. Now, I love yoga as much as you know, every person who loves yoga, and I have a considerable library of herbal tea in my drawer and I love getting many pedis and massages but I know that they are not the things that keep my well-being in an optimal state because remember well-being is not so much about how you feel all the time it's about being able to manage the day-to-day stresses of life so if we think for a minute that well-being and being happy all the time is about not having any adversity not having any hiccups not feeling like things are a bit rough we're wrong that is totally not it we are human life has its ups and downs some are in our control and some aren't some we know are coming and, and some we don't some surprise us and some we're like oh well I can see why that happened the human element with us means that we are not going to be happy all the time and that is okay that doesn't mean our well-being is like completely hitting the floor it is just a normal human thing so we've got to break down this idea that well-being means being happy all the time it doesn't that's not what it's about but it is about knowing when you feel a little bit off or when you're working through something or when there's an obstacle and you might have to make some decisions or self-reflect or learn or put a boundary in place or take on a challenge or push yourself outside of your comfort zone take a risk or a leap like all of that is still well-being a key part of it is our resilience and our ability to come back to a place where we're happy with it may not always be the same point you know i often hear resilience being talked about like an elastic band where you stretch it right out and then it flings back to its starting point i don't think that what that's what resilience is i think when we're talking about resilience for well-being, we're talking about, yes, we're stretched and we may feel like we're at breaking point sometimes, but when we get through that, we're not flinging back to the starting point. We're not flinging back to that same place. We are moving on to something different because when we exercise resilience as a tool to also help us learn, we don't start from the same place next time, which is why We better manage our emotions. We have more emotional agility. We know how to build positive emotion quicker. We're better at articulating our feelings. We're more comfortable with feeling uncomfortable. We're okay with anger or frustration or sadness or nervousness or anxiety because we know how to manage that. So when we're talking about this idea of well-being means being happy all the time, it's not. It is about understanding and knowing yourself and being able to navigate the ups and downs of life. So within the wellness strategy, that's what we're here to do. We're here to teach you what all of the tools are that you can use if they work for you and to figure out a proactive, sustainable self-care plan that works long term, that allows you to embed it into your day or week or month or however uh, often you want to do things and also of course have a reactive tool because sometimes we need an instant pick me up and you know I have been known to go and eat some chocolate because it just it, sometimes it makes me feel good or go for a walk outside when really I should be doing something else because it makes me feel good but I also have a bank of things I do all the time because it's about sustainable long-term well-being now I quickly want to touch on too before we finish this idea that it's a one-size-fits-all thing it's not You cannot solve this well-being issue, especially what we're seeing in schools and workplaces with a one-size-fits-all approach. Not everyone wants to put lycra on and go to a yoga class, and that is okay. Not everyone wants to attend morning teas and eat cake, and that is okay. Not everyone needs a meeting-free week because they have reports to write or they have lessons to plan or they have books to mark. So even though you're giving them a meeting-free week, it's not really reducing workload because there's always something to do. Now, not to say meeting free weeks aren't useful, they totally are, but it's about how we use that time, right? My point is, it's not a one-size-fits-all model. We have to stop thinking that if we just go through the checklist, well-being will be taken care of, because it won't be. It's not how it works. Just because you do the thing doesn't mean that your wellness is taken care of forever. We've got to keep doing the things. We've got to Keep revisiting checklists. We've got to keep building them, adapting them, changing them. And sometimes we shouldn't even be using them because our well being habits should be so well ingrained we don't need to tick it off on a box, on a list, highlight it. We don't need a reminder because we just do the thing because it becomes part of who we are. So that's what we're about. We're about helping you understand what well being really is. We're about helping you. Work towards your optimal state of wellness, but totally being okay when you're not there because you have the tools and strategies and systems that you can use to know how to get back to where you want to be. And we're about helping you find your version of self care in a way that works for you, no matter what's going on with your life. Because it won't look the same all the time because we're all human. We're a person first and a teacher second, or whatever your career or status is, you're a person first. You are not what you do that's it that's what we're about I think this is going to be really exciting our plan is to hear me just waffle and riff on sometimes so if you enjoyed that let me know Uh, we're also going to be taking requests so if there's anything you want me to cover jump on uh, and let me know or find me on socials and you can most certainly Let me know whatever your topic is. And then lastly, we're going to interview some really cool people who have figured out their version of wellness or have insight into their own wellness strategy and well-being and self-care because you never know what they're doing and it might be able to help you too. So I will chat to you next time. That's it for now. And as always, if you need anything, please reach out. Okay, so it's not quite the end. We couldn't wrap this up without giving a shout out to our socials. So please make sure you head over to Facebook and follow us at The Wellness Strategy with Amy Green or join our exclusive Facebook group, The Wellness Strategy Collective. You can find us on Insta at underscore The Wellness Strategy and also head to our website to find out more about us and subscribe to our weekly newsletter at www.thewellnessstrategy.com.au. So much gratitude. See you somewhere soon. Let's do this again.